around to a table. He feels a piece of something hot slide down his face and slop onto the floor, and he pulls hard against the bindings until his skin breaks, but he cannot budge them. He gags, but his mouth is taped shut, forcing the bile back into his throat, making him gag again. His eyes burn. Then he sees her, standing behind where the man's body has fallen, holding the gun she has just used to execute him. I wanted you to understand right away how committed I am to you, she says, that you are the only one. And then she turns and walks away. He is left then to contemplate what has just happened. He swallows hard, willing himself to remain calm, to look around. He is alone, The man is dead on the floor. Gretchen is gone. The driver of the van is gone. Archie's blood is pulsing so violently that it is the only sensation. Time passes. At first, he thinks he is in an operating room. It is a large space, walled with white ceramic subway tiles and well lit by fluorescent lights. He turns his head from side to side, and sees several trays of instruments, medical-looking machinery, a drain on the cement floor. He strains again at his binds and realizes that he is strapped to a gurney. Tubes are coming in and out of him, a catheter, an IV. There are no windows in the room, and a faint, earthy smell skirts the edge of his consciousness. Mildew. A basement. He starts to think like a cop now. The others had been tortured for a couple of days before she dumped the bodies. That meant he had time. Two days, maybe three. They could find him in that amount of time. He had told Henry where he was going, that he had a psych consult about the newest body. He had wanted to see her, to get her advice. He was not prepared for this. But they would connect it. Henry would connect it. It would be the last place to which he could be traced. He had made a call to his wife on the way. That would be the last point of contact. How much time had passed since he had been taken? She is there again, on the other side of the table, from where the body still lies, thick, dark blood seeping onto the gray floor. He remembers when she had first introduced herself, the psychiatrist who had given up her practice to write a book. She had read about the task force and had called him to see if she could help. It had been hell on all of them. She offered to come in, not counseling, she had said, just talk. They had been working on the case for almost ten years, twenty-three bodies in three states. It had taken a toll. She invited those who were interested to come to a group session, just talk. He had been surprised at how many of the detectives had shown. It might have had something to do with the fact that she was beautiful. The funny thing was, it had helped. She was very good. She pulls the white sheet covering him down so that his chest is exposed, and he realizes that he's naked. There is no self-consciousness attached to it. It is merely a fact. She places a hand flat on his breastbone. He knows what this means. He has memorized the crime photos, the abrasions and burns on the torsos. 
It is part of the profile, one of her signatures. Do you know what comes next? She asks, knowing that he does. He needs to talk to her, to stall. He makes a garbled noise through the duct tape and motions with his head for her to take it off. She touches her finger to his lips and shakes her head. Not just yet, she says softly. She asks it again, a little more harshly. Do you know what comes next? He nods. She smiles, satisfied. That's why I prepared something special for you, darling. She has an instrument tray beside her, and she turns and withdraws something from it, a hammer and nail. Interesting, he thinks, amazed at his ability to detach from himself, to remain clinical. So far, the victims had been seen.